Everybody, welcome back. This is the Python Community News, uh, the show that brings you news from around the Python community. I am one of your hosts, Jay, and with me as always. I'm John. And this is a, a fun and interesting episode that we're going to have where uh, I'm just coming back from sprints at DjangoCon. Uh, I was literally down at the venue earlier this morning. Uh, we've got a lot of Django news. We also got some news uh, of conferences around the world. And ultimately, one of the bigger events that happen every year just got announced. But let's, let's uh, I guess, start with the kind of the Django con of it all. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, John, you, you were watching online with Django con. Uh, the, at least the, the perspective that I saw on the floor were that people were excited that Django con was back. Oh, absolutely. I think that people were uh, excited on, on on both sides of it, right? Everybody who was was in person from from what I could see in the in the video live streams, people were ecstatic to be back in person uh, and and actually, you know, safely uh, be able to gather again. Uh, but the folks online, like myself uh, and uh, and a handful of others uh, that that I saw talking about this, were also really happy to be able to join. Uh, virtually because uh, you know not everybody can can travel in person so this was uh, this was Django Khan's first hybrid event and uh, you know it's it sounds like people attending both ways had uh, had a really good experience uh, and and you know a big big difficult part of being able to uh, attend you know a lot of these events is travel being away from uh you know family and job for a certain amount of time so um it, it's really interesting to see django kind of uh setting the stage here for maybe what what events look like going forward yeah i you know having having a, a booth and uh i will i will say that the uh unofficial Python community news sponsored sticker booth was a massive hit. There were uh, tons of folks that came through and a shout out to, to Don wages for providing a, uh, a generous uh, beginning donation of stickers uh, that, that brought a lot of people over. Um, that was a, that was a really uh, fun part of it. Just getting to see people and talk with them and, and say like, Hey, you know, happy to be back, happy to be, you know, sponsoring. I was there, you know, for my employer, but I was also there for myself and, um, you know, just talking about the, all the different things that, you know, we care about, which, you know, my employer has their things, but for us, it's Python and community. And I think a lot of folks were very responsive to that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I've never been to a DjangoCon person. Um, timing never, t never seems to work out. So, I always have some some conflict and being able to attend remotely these past two years, right? Last year was remote only. Um, th this year was, was the hybrid model. Um, I, I've personally been super happy to be able to attend right, and participate in this community that I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I see doing a lot of the right things, right? The, the, the Django community often uh, pushes the other related Python communities forward. Uh, and, and it's great to be able to, uh, to experience that in real time. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I think one of the things that, and, and we're going to actually have 
hopefully next week an interview with one of the the DEFNA Django Events Foundation of North America, the people that are responsible for putting on DjangoCon. Uh, we're going to have them hopefully on an interview. Uh, but one of the things that, you know, we, we heard them saying leading up to the event was that, you know, they had seen really good success with doing their online events. They were wanting to kind of take a really good wait and see approach and, and, you know, apply all the things that they've learned. And, um, you know, we, we've had plenty of conferences that have happened, uh, since we've started doing the show, but you know, this is, this is a great experience of, of being able to be there, um, and, and kind of witness that. And, you know, just their, their overall COVID policy and how people were super respectful of that. Um, this was the first conference that I went to that didn't only require vaccination, but it also required uh, a negative COVID test to get in the door. Uh, I thought that was that was you know super awesome. Uh, it did actually work. There were a couple of people that had to get quickly converted to an online ticket uh, due to positive tests. But you know by doing that, you you reduce the amount of of people being exposed and. And honestly, I mean, when everybody gets together for the group picture, you know, there's still some of that like hesitancy. Luckily, everyone did it outside and, you know, it's nice and open space. But there were definitely these moments of, okay, everyone is trying to be extremely safe about this. And, you know, even in the areas where you are outside, you have really good spacing and no one ever felt, at least I hope no one ever felt like they were, you know, pushed into an area that was, too crowded or or too packed because we know that like you know it's not just a matter of like hey wear a mask but it's also social distancing you know being respectful having plenty of line you know reduced line cues and things like that and all those little things and and the the team of at Defna did a really good job at trying to make sure all of that stuff was in place And, uh, you know, I, I, I got to attend right remotely and, and, and see talks like yours, um, a bunch of others. I probably went to more talks, uh, right remotely than I would have in person. Um, but there were also, uh, a, a, a bunch of great sessions. Uh, there, there was a, uh, a panel at the end with a bunch of folks who, uh, who were, you know, very active in, um, you know, I, I guess I'll say Django leadership. Um, right. I, I don't know if they would all right self-describe that way, but, uh, definitely people who, who, you know, do a lot of work in the community. Uh, but I imagine there were some, some other, uh, exciting announcements from, from the conference that, uh, that I may have missed. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a couple of, of new initiatives and, you know, we, we, we keep it pretty non-pippable over here, but, uh, there were definitely some projects that I'm really interested in, you know, hearing the sprints open up. Uh, I actually got to to start a project that we had been talking about for Python Community News, uh, which was great. And um, and ultimately, uh, like I said, I don't want to take too much of the thunder that we'll be, we'll be getting from some of the organizers next week, but uh, definitely looking forward to the next year uh, around the Django community. And that kind of takes us into our first topic, which is... Uh, the DSF is now looking um, for you to reminder finish that survey uh, if if you if you can you know take that survey but also uh, the DSF board nominations uh, recently or in the last few years the DSF moved to a two year term model 
and that means that there are several openings available and you know you know john both of us are are folks who have who have run for board seats before and uh you know we we have our own our own stump you know positions and our our, our you know things that we we want to see happening uh, i'm hoping that there are people out there that are listening to this show that maybe have an opinion or two about you know advancing django and and things around the the django software itself yeah so uh, you know like you said both of us have run for for board seats within the community um i've i've been uh, on the board of big apple pie which is the organization behind pi gotham um for for a number of years now uh as as part of running pi gotham so um you know i i think maybe what I want to highlight here is uh, the the kinds of work that that people might might expect here, and um, you know the the sort of impact that that has. Uh, even if you're not, you know, for example, deeply familiar with the internals of Django or the internals of Python, right? A lot of these um, people often make this this assumption that the 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 folks on right governance bodies so these are boards or steering councils or um you know any any number of other kind of like decision making entities are right the best programmers maybe um and uh that might be the case uh but it's also kind of irrelevant uh because a lot of the stuff that happens in these sorts of organizations is um you know you're you're dealing with uh with with budgets and um, you know, proposals from within the community to, uh, to, to kind of prioritize, um, the sorts of things that boards work on, which is not often, right, directly making code contributions. So you'll, you'll see things like, Hey, we, as a community think we need to hire someone to do X, Y, and Z. Uh, that, that's, that's where, uh, the these boards and and other uh, right, advisory bodies can really come into place and help push the community forward, you know, w- with um, a, a job that is different from what what you might expect if you're, uh, you know, a day to day programmer. Yeah, uh, and I I mentioned earlier, kind of like focusing on the software itself. That's not also the only thing they focus on too. I mean, there is that, that rich community aspect. In fact, I had the pleasure of, of getting to hang out and have dinner with, you know, several, uh, DSF board, uh, members, uh, and, and, you know, shout out to all of them. And, uh, we, as you know, the podcast and we, we try to make sure that we're closely aligned with, you know, all of these people and we, you know, we're able to reach out to them and, and ask those kinds of questions. Um, but yeah, one of the, 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 the will, uh, will Vincent, you know, one of the treasurers actually asking me about, you know, Hey, like how does Python community news and, um, how does Microsoft, the company I work for, like, would they like to be more involved in, and how so? And, you know, obviously there's, there's like, you know, fiscal sponsorship stuff there, but there's also community participation as well. Um, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, the same, you know, group that, 
has to support everything that Django Girls doesn't and Defna doesn't and and like so many other things. And that includes, you know, technical things that includes managing costs for running websites and all these other things. But it also involves getting, you know, new contributors and, and educating people and, and, you know, tackling very big projects. Like I, I think about like, every little project I've made that I have a million decisions on, you know, the project that, that we're running here, John, we have so many decisions that we have to make and then scale that up to, you know, often considered, you know, Python's most valuable, you know, Python web framework. Uh, so, you know, when you have to have, handle all that responsibility, it, it's good to have people who are uh, not just committed to writing code, but also committed to, uh, running a successful project. So, you know, whether you're a, a community manager, whether you're a project manager, whether you're a, a software engineer, or whether you're just someone who has kept a very close eye on the Django community, uh, I think there's something that you can contribute to uh, this this software board just by nominating and letting people know um, what your stance is and what you would like to see happen um, inside of the community. Yeah, so if you're if you're watching along or listening at home and, and want to find information about this, uh, head to djengoproject.com slash weblog. Uh, at, at the time of you know this live stream, the uh, the board nominations information post is the the very top one. So you can get a good idea of what the board does. Uh, and and linked from there is the the nominations form. So you can uh, you can go and, and, and self-nominate if this is something that you are uh, really passionate about and, and want to give back to the community because it's, um, you know, in, in terms of uh, impact, uh, it's, it's one of the most important things you can really contribute to. Uh, and like I said before, the, the Django community, uh, in my experience, pushes forward a lot of other communities. Uh, and so taking right a, a seat at that table can really help advance not just uh, the the Django community you're working directly to support uh, but also down the line you know you'll see all these communities learn from each other right you'll see uh, you know various meetups and conferences and and even the Python software Foundation will look around see what other people are doing what they're doing right uh, and and adopt those policies so um, it's it's a really uh, it's, it's a rewarding way to to contribute back. Um, I, I would highly encourage anybody, um, you know, if nothing else, go go learn about uh, the DSF and the PSF and and all of these other organizations that exist to support the projects we depend on day to day. Yeah, and you know, those that that do the most actually also have an opportunity to be recognized uh, in the next topic that we have, which is the uh, Malcolm Tredinick Memorial Prize. Uh, John, uh, you want to you want to tackle this one? Uh, yeah, so um, uh, I, I can't speak, you know, very uh, deeply about this, but uh, Malcolm was a uh, very well respected and, and and liked individual in the Django community, uh, and this this prize has existed for a number of years now to uh, to honor someone who really 
exemplifies, uh, you know, the the kind of thing he brought to to Django. So, um, I'm not going to uh, harp on this topic for very long. I'm just going to say, if you know someone who has uh, really contributed to Django and the Django community uh, in, in 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 a positive way, um, there there's a nomination form. Uh, to ask that the the Django Software Foundation, you know, recognize them. Yeah, and one of the things with with this that I I wanted to think about was that that recognition bit. You know, one of the things that I have, you know, just culturally have have grown to to want to do is you know give people their flowers, uh, especially while they're while they're still around. And I think that was something that you know even as we were trying to prepare for this show, John, we like had plenty of content to uh, dig for or dig through and like uh, Justin Malcolm's legacy and all the things that he did and whether it was, you know, sitting on panels and just talking about a community that he was, he clearly loved and, and wanted to, to be involved with or, or many of his talks uh, that were there, you know, some that were, I, I actually thought, you know, a few of them was like, oh, this looks really cool. I want to go back and, you know, watch this thing that happened like 15 years ago, which like just tells you just the longevity of, of you know, Malcolm's involvement. Uh, but, you know, also kind of that that remainder of legacy that that happens when people get into the community. Uh, you know, we we talk about some of the reasons why we do a lot of things that we do and you know, a lot of it isn't necessarily for, for, for glory or, you know, for any type of praise. It's, it's almost unanimously usually because the people that get to, you know, benefit from it are our friends. And, you know, when we get to, to do events like, or we get to do content like this, you know, what we're doing is we're inviting more and more people to uh, become our friends and join us and, and have a great time with us or, you know, we put on conferences where, you know, everybody tries to be safe. And we do that because, you know, the people sitting in the in those seats are, are people that we wouldn't want to see hurt or, you know, or harmed. And it it's just amazing that the DSF has something in place that can put, you know, that can look at like, hey, you know, we want to recognize those people now. And and I'll also note that you know this isn't the only um, this isn't the only award of its kind, right? Uh, this is this is the one that uh, Django or uh, sorry the, that the Django Software Foundation uh, runs and and uh, awards to to people who you know really represent that spirit. But there are also um, awards given out by uh, the the Python Software Foundation. Uh, for similar kinds of contributions to to the Python community, uh, the more the more general one, right? And so, uh, I think you'll find a lot of the sorts of things that people will be nominated for will overlap here. Um, but uh, the PSF also has a community service award. Uh, there is a, um, uh, a a fellowship that uh, is 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 awarded as well. That's kind of you know, somewhat of a step ab- step above that, um, and and a distinguished service award. So um, there are uh, plenty of plenty of ways you can, you know, nominate somebody to be recognized for for the work that they do, uh, and you know wh- whether it's with this this award from the DSF or one of the ones from the Python Software Foundation that 
uh, I believe, accept uh, nominations quarterly. Um, you, you know, I, I, I encourage anybody out there who who knows someone that's right doing some important work and 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 lifting others up to to go and uh, you know get, give them a nice uh, a nice recommendation for one of these because it it does um, you know it it does really help uh, reward that that sort of uh, behavior and a lot of a lot of people won't you know wouldn't want to self nominate uh, you know they they don't they don't think that uh, right the, these sorts of things are um, you know that's that's not why they're doing it um, they're, they're they're doing it because like you said uh, it, it helps out their friends and the community at large uh, and uh, it's it, it is a nice, you know, additional surprise on top. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, the PSF and some of the other awards. Um, I think that that quickly ties us into kind of one of our, our, our meaty topics uh, this week, which is uh, PyCon. It, it was announced. It is, it is a thing. You can go ahead and, find more about it now I, i'm not sure if tickets are are tickets on sale now or uh i i believe that the website's up and the call for proposals is up but yeah. i don't believe there's a ticket link yet okay so you can't get your tickets just yet but um and normally normally we would be waiting but like you said the call for proposals is up now uh PyCon's happening it's the 20th anniversary special it's going to be taking place again in salt lake city and I I'm excited because you know the last one in Salt Lake City was my first PyCon that I went to and now I'm happy to be I'm already looking ahead at like oh I can't wait to you know see some of my friends some of the people that I just saw earlier today that I won't see again for another you know six months and uh you know it's I'm I'm excited it's 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 that season already I I'm a little shocked at how fast <laughs> it was before we started thinking about this and uh, we, we wanted to dive in a little bit on this. So, um, John, I have I have a question for you um, as a as a conference organizer. Uh, how is PyCon different than most of the other conferences that we talk about on the show? Well, it's PyCon bigger. US, I should say. <laughs> it's it's definitely a bigger event than than most of the ones that we uh that that we talk about in terms of right, both attendance and just scale of activities that they do right um so uh the the last PyCon us i was at in person was uh was the one uh the the final year in cleveland uh, so i guess that would have been 2019 and i want to say there were about 34 3500 people in attendance uh there so um you know even even before we saw significantly reduced uh, a, a attendance, I know uh, I know DjangoCon had a, a smaller attendance than it would have been uh, in, in like 2019. But um, even before then, we're talking about an event that's like uh, you know five six times the size of even the <laughs> the largest you know quote regional conferences. Right? And, yeah, I know uh, uh, Jeff Triplett, one of the the Defna the organizers for Django con, uh, you mentioned that most of the conferences that they have been, you know, in contact with have said about 60%. Um, so even 60% of, 
of 3,000 people is still a pretty good number uh, and much larger than most of the other uh, conferences that we'll that we we often showcase on the on the show. Yeah, and then the other uh, aspect is right how many other things happen kind of in conjunction with it, because right? uh, you know I I think for most people attending a conference like this is right. I'm going to go see two three days of talks and then uh, you know meet some people head back home, but PyCon US in its entirety is something like 10 days long. Uh, and and I think we talked a couple of weeks ago about um, the, the core developer sprints and events like that happen at PyCon. Um, there are, you know, summits for all sorts of uh, uh, kind of sub communities within the Python community. So uh, there, there's an education summit, a, a language summit, um, and, and plenty of other um, kind of more than just the talks events that happen there. Uh, and I think that that's, that, that is a thing that, right. If you've never been to a PyCon, uh, will be, uh, you know, you know, a, a little maybe larger than life compared to your, your, uh, you know, local regional conference, right. The, the expo hall is huge and, mm -hmm. and they have it at these big, big venues where, um, you know, they, they would host, uh, much much larger events than even a even a PyCon. I think the the conference uh San Diego or not San Diego Python um or PyCon US this past year was happening around the same time as the national uh national uh children's cheerleading competition which I thought was interesting because like you you think about how much space that takes up. I don't know how many people have seen like some of those movies where you have like you know, it's like an amphitheater and there's like thousands of people in attendance and things like that. So like you're talking about venues of that size that can hold like that type of that number of people um, that, you know, will host an event like PyCon US. Yeah. So even though it is much, much larger than uh, right, any of the uh, events I've worked on, um, it's it's still pretty small in the grand scheme of things. Right. Uh, yeah. One of the. Uh, one of the things that uh, always happens uh, with uh, PyGotham, right? We almost every year have been the same weekend as New York City Comic Con, uh, oh. and <laughs> right, uh, this is a an event that sees something like a hundred thousand people in attendance at peak, uh, versus uh, you know PyCon at right three thousand or a, a smaller regional conference at like two hundred. So it's a, it's a very different scale, but, um, yeah, PyCon US has, uh, plenty of, uh, plenty of things that are beyond the talks. They also have, uh, you know, probably the, the largest selection of talks of, of any Python conference. Yeah. Um, so if, if you were working in Python at all, there's going to be something on the menu there that you're going to care about. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, like just the scale of just the number of talks that get selected. Um, I believe there last year, there were like four tracks and like almost five days worth of talks for those tracks, plus summits, plus workshops, plus open spaces, which are this, 
this very like reserved time for people to kind of get together and talk about a thing that they have in common. Um, plus the lightning talks, you know, they do like four days of lightning talks, which is insane. Um, and, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff happening there. And then, uh, not to mention just the expo hall, like, you know, I spend a lot of time in there just due to my job, but you know, you, there are, there are not just vendors there are not just people trying to get you to like buy their product. There are also, um, you know, folks like Reuven Lerner, who is a Python educator who sits there and will actually like just answer questions about, you know, Python that you might have. And, um, you know, to me, it's, it's, it's where I get to see all of my friends who write books. I think that's, that's like another bonus. Um, I believe at one point I was in a conversation with, with Dan Bader from real Python, um, on the phone with Michael Kennedy from talk Python. And then also we had like Al Swigert who wrote, you know, automate the boring stuff using Python. And like they're all in one group having this conversation about, you know, teaching and, and, and educating people. So it's, it's not even just the, you know, well, Pip, here's this new Pip install, which I mean, that, that is a big thing too. Last PyCon, PyScript was announced, which was, I mean, I think that was the first time I'd ever seen something about Python, like also listed in like Forbes. <laughs> so like, Hey, you know, this big project that, you know, aims to bring Python to the web, like, uh, it just, this is, this is where big announcements are had, you know, you're in New York where New York comic-con happens and I'm in San Diego where, where San Diego comic-con happens. And so like, we, I think we have these, pers- these interesting perspectives of like big events where big things get talked about. And PyCon US is definitely that spot for the Python community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, not to say that it is, is it the exclusive place where that happens, right? Um, you know, PyCon US is great. Uh, and and it, for, for me, it's one of those places where, like you said, I can go and I can see all my friends that I that I only see right online other than in, you know, in this expo hall. Um, but, uh, there, there are also, right. You know, a, a lot of this does start from the ground up. Right. So, you know, those, those local, you know, Python meetups and user groups and even right. Your regional conferences, that's where all, all of your, um, you know, Python, talks are going to debut before they they end up at at a pygon and there there are some exceptions to that rule but uh you know if if you really want to see kind of what leads up to uh you know a presentation at pycon or if you want to get uh you know some more kind of direct one-on-one time with a sponsor that's not um for example uh swamped by the you know the the line to get you know, this year's exclusive, exclusive t-shirt, um, you know, attending your local events is, is also uh, a super great way to, uh, to, to get connected on a, on a more, um, uh, in, in a calmer environment, I'll say. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to do good cop, bad cop here, but I, I do want to bring up kind of a really interesting topic that, that, you know, that we were talking about before we went on the air, which is just the, kind of the what's what is the impact of PyCon US in terms of 
the rest of the community in terms of things like funding, in terms of things like um, being able to get a lot of the the revenue that the PSF needs to continue to function in the way that it does. Um, John, I I know that uh, Big Apple Pie, the the community that or the organization that you're a part of, like y'all do really great when it comes to handling things like sponsors and. Um, I'm not even sure if you have like lawyers there, but you know, you, you do a really good job of, of, of the brand and protecting the brand and also getting local communities involved. Um, does PyCon impact you and, and Big Apple Pie in any way in terms of those organizations? And, and do they impact other organizations that you may have heard of? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think they probably impact you as well, even if you don't know it. Uh, so if if you go and you look at the um, the the blog post that PyCon put up announcing the 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 PyCon US 2023, you'll see that the the kind of two main things that they uh, that they emphasized here are one that the website for PyCon US 2023 is up and running, uh, and two sponsorships exist and you can um, or I get oh, there, there was also. The, the call for proposals, that's a big one too. Um, so three things, but uh, sponsorships for PyCon US um, uh, also include sponsorships for the Python Software Foundation. So uh, you, you mentioned that um, right, the, the PSF does uh, a, a whole bunch of different activities. Uh, one of them is, is uh, awarding grants to other organizations. So uh, when, uh, when I, you know, a regional conference organizer and I'm looking to put on an event, uh, I can go to the Python Software Foundation and say, hey, here's the event we're running. It's, uh, you know, it's for Pythonistas by Pythonistas. Uh, here's how many people uh, we, we expect to attend. And we would like a grant uh, in, in order to, um, to, to make these these things actually happen and, and you know what that grant gets applied to depends on the conference um uh and you know i've i've often had it kind of dedicated to uh you know pi gotham's own opportunity grants programs um or to bring in right live captioning for for our talks things like that uh but the kind of long and short of it is if you're running an event or if you've been to an event uh, there's a good chance that uh, the Python Software Foundation is available to contribute some financially to to that, which is uh, especially useful if uh, you know if, if, like many of us, you're a small right volunteer-run organization where um, you know otherwise someone else might be fronting these costs out of their own pocket. Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of the conferences that I do get to go to on a regular basis do tend to be those smaller events. And I mean, when we talk, I, the only reason I brought up the the lawyer side of that is because I, I think that a lot of folks don't think about how much um, legal, <laughs> like things happen in terms of conferences, like you, you have plenty of contracts to sign. Um, you're getting into a bunch of legal agreements with, with vendors, with caterers, with, you know, you might have a event staff even 
and things like that, set up and tear down crews and all of these things that might happen. And, and, you know, we, we talk about how ambitious, you know, call for venues are like call for proposals are, are in my opinion, so much easier than figuring out a call for a venue because of just everything that goes into a decision-making process, you know, a, a conference talk, you're often like, okay, do we already have talks like this that we've selected? Um, if the talks, you know, if the CFPs are anonymous, like you're you're trying to make sure that you have a diverse lineup, but you also are trying to make sure that uh, you have a good balance of first-time speakers and and you know experienced speakers and and different topics and areas. But the other side of that is the the area around like when choosing a location. <laughs> You have to find, like you said, a space that is big enough, a space that is going to have, you know, access um, and and all of these other things. So when you're in a regional conference, a lot of those decisions get made for you. You're like, all right, hey, we're, you know, Southern California Python. If that if you know if that's not a thing, but if it were, which I, I wish it were, um, you're like, OK, San Diego, Los Angeles maybe San Bernardino or somewhere in Orange County, like Anaheim. So now we've got between like a one and four choice. Uh, something somewhere like PyCon has like the entire U S to think about. Um, but also when you look at some of those areas of like, Hey, if you're in, you know, North Bay Python, you've got like one venue and that venue, their prices might go up or down. They might have special clauses in their contracts and you're just wanting to put on a good conference. You you don't necessarily want to become a professional scholar in understanding like legal, like, you know, contract work or, or legal design. And like all of those things, the PSF handles, like they have a lawyer on staff where they like help people navigate these contracts and these agreements to make sure that um, you know, everybody is is doing exactly what needs to be done to to ensure that the event goes smoothly and and everywhere everyone kind of knows what their responsibilities are. Yeah, and I think, you know, I I'm not sure if you've ever booked a venue like that, but uh, you hit the nail on the head, right? There are a lot of those parts of the contract that just end up being like, okay, well where else are you going to go, right? There's, because <laughs> uh, at a certain point, your negotiating power uh, is, is limited by what your options are. And, um, and, and, and so you end up with, right, an event like uh, on, the, on the scale that I've run, you know, anywhere between like two and 600 people. Um, that, that puts you into kind of a certain class of, uh, uh, of venues it's often your like hotel ballrooms right it's uh you know if, if you've ever been to a to uh a, a you know a local conference that's kind of what you're used to um you're on some floor of a hotel where there's a bunch of meeting spaces uh but PyCon us happens at, at at a very different scale right they're looking at um you know city level buildings Right. Not so. So it's not like we want to host this in, uh, you know, some particular city and we'll go and we'll talk to, you know, the the eight different hotels that that fit our needs. It's uh, 
you know, you're, you're comparing a venue that is in Salt Lake City or Cleveland or Pittsburgh, right? Uh, and there's only one of each of those. Yeah. Usually like a conference center yeah. <laughs> or a convention center, you know, things like that. Um, I guess I guess the last thing that I, I wanted to ask kind of in in terms of of PyCon US is uh, what is the at least in your opinion, what is the expectation for this year? Um, we had PyCon US this past year. Again, we were looking at about 60% of what we were expecting. Like, do you expect there to be a larger turnout this year than was there before? Uh, that's a super interesting question. I don't know that uh, I can predict that very well, but I can tell you what the, the PyCon US uh, sponsorship blog post says here, which is right. You you get access to 1,500 plus attendees, right? And uh, I'm taking that to mean there are going to be 1,500 people, uh, and then some, right? In in the expo hall. Uh, so yeah. I and and that puts it at right ballpark 50% of what it what it what it previously was. Um, from a personal standpoint, I do think that it's going to take a while to to build back up to uh, the the size of attendance um, that uh, th that PyCon or other events um, previously had, and they might choose not to uh, not to just go back to what they were. Right, DrangoCon did a uh, a hybrid event and had uh, you know a bunch of people attend remotely that otherwise couldn't attend in person uh, for, for a bunch of different reasons. And so this, this uh, I, I would expect to see more of that going forward um, where, right, where we're focusing on making sure that the event is accessible from uh, more than just, right, all the people who are going to fly into Salt Lake City or Pittsburgh or whatever the next city ends up being. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, it, it'll be interesting to see going forward, right. What that looks like in terms of right size of attendance and, and how that changes, uh, or if it changes the way that venue selection works going forward. Uh, cause, uh, do you, do you know, um, where it's going to be after Salt Lake? Uh, Salt Lake, it goes after Salt Lake, it goes back to Pittsburgh. Um, it was scheduled for Pittsburgh during 2020 and 2021, but obviously the, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, pulled them away from that. And, you know, we were talking about kind of that whole legal portion there of like, you still have contracts to fulfill. Um, so it was, it was definitely a, an easy pushback. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going back to Pittsburgh, um, letting people there, but, you know, that doesn't mean that they're not going to be in that, like already planning what's going to happen after that. Uh, and, and, you know, you're going to actually see that probably released sometime between either now and PyCon uh, 2023 or shortly afterwards. Because, again, like these are these are conferences that take all more than a year to put together just in terms of coordinating everything and getting everything like figured out and. And all the pieces there. So, um, yeah, it's Salt Lake City this year. The next two years after that are back in Pittsburgh, or I guess in Pittsburgh, 
um, since I don't think they actually ever went to Pittsburgh. Um, but then from there, you know, we're not sure. So we've got one more topic before we get into the the final round of of things that you know are our, our conference round. And I'm gonna have to say, John, how much do you like learning about things? I love learning, Trey. Okay, well, I am happy. Tell to me tell how you. I can learn. You you can learn uh, in a very special way. Let me. I have to throw it into an actual web web browser. I was not prepared for that. Uh, oh, I have way too many web browsers open. Here we go. Uh, let's go here. Jay, nope, I'm not is, learning fast enough. That is the wrong thumbnail, John. You are rushing me, and I do not appreciate <laughs> this at all. There we go. I have the right thumbnail now. I'm going to throw this in here. There we go. Um, we are actually doing a giveaway. Uh, this is the first of hopefully many giveaways that we're going to be doing in the next uh, while, uh, but those that are watching online live and those that uh, are going to be listening to this in the next couple of days, you have a few days to apply to this. Uh, originally we were just going to do this for people at DjangoCon. They got to hang out with me at the booth, but, uh, and online, but we teamed up with, uh, Michael Kennedy and the, the talk Python, you know, team there, uh, to give away two courses. Uh, and what we're going to do is we're going to let, the, the two winners is going to be one course per winner. We're going to let the winner actually choose the course that they want. Uh, and then they will receive a, a promo code to get that course absolutely for free. Um, now, a little bit about this. I, I have all the disclaimers in the world because uh, I actually work with Michael Kennedy a lot. Uh, I am uh, one of the contributor to his newsletter. So I make sure every week if you're subscribed to that newsletter and that it goes out every single week. Yeah, that's that's me. That's me doing some stuff. Uh, that's how I get to learn about a lot of the news uh, that's happening. Usually it's pippable news, though. Um, that being said, uh, also, I have worked on some of these courses, so I've, I've had a great time learning through them as I'm often editing or, or transcribing or doing doing something with them. Um, and I can definitely tell you that Michael does really great work with the courses. Um, and there are a hand, you know, several, several, several different types of things that you can t learn in there. I'm actually going to the website now because again, totally unprepared for this, but you can try things like, you know, Python for an absolute beginner, HTMX and Flask, which there were some really good conversations around HTMX, uh, Django Con, a lot of people really enjoy that. And it's not just those, they have so many courses and you can see some of the hours here, you know, things that are you know, close to 10 hours worth of content uh, that will be yours absolutely free. So you're talking, um, no, here's a good one. Python for Entrepreneurs, a, a 20 hour course that is absolutely available to you for absolutely free if that's the one that you want. Um, but in order to participate in this, you got to do two things. You need you to follow. Me. How do I do it? You got to follow Pi Community News on Twitter. That is the new Twitter account. Also, even if you don't want to participate in this, go follow Pi Community News on Twitter because we're going to be sharing our news topics. We're going to be sharing updates. This is not the only giveaway that we have in store. I've already talked to some people that are like, hey, we want to get involved. We want to you know, share some stuff with the community. Please help us do that. Um, so yeah, follow us on Twitter. You'll get all the information there. The other space is to... Follow us on YouTube or 
in your favorite podcast player. If you want to do both, you can do both, but we're only going to require that you do one or the other. Um, and of course, the uh, the YouTube channel, just search for Python Community News, uh, or you can do the same in your the podcast player of your choice. Um, but we will be giving a few more days. Uh, we're recording this on Saturday, but we will be giving people a few more days. We're going to announce the winners on Monday. That is October 24th. That is the day that Python 3.11 goes live. So I'm sure there will be a lot of conversation around that. But uh, we will be announcing the winners on Py- on Python 3.11 day, which is Monday, October 24th. Um, I don't have a specific time. We're going to say afternoonish Pacific time. Uh, when John reminds me, hey, who won? And <laughs> we'll take it from there. But again, follow us on Twitter at Pi Community News. Be subscribed to either the YouTube channel or the podcast player or, you know, or the podcast by the player of your choice. We'll verify that once we have determined the winners. Um, and I'm going to, there's probably some other terms and conditions that will apply, but I don't think there are. Please be over 18. I don't want to have to figure out any of the legalese stuff. But uh, other than that, yeah, three chances to win. And again, this is the first of hopefully many giveaways that we'll have. Uh, I'm not sure what the next one will be or when it'll be, but I'm hoping that it will be soon. But that's that's it. John, you ready for the uh, conference round? Uh, before we do that, I'm also going to just say go subscribe to Talk Python as well. Yes. Uh, thing, and also, like I don't know. I know Michael Kennedy listens sometimes and watches sometimes, so thank you, Michael, also. Uh, I, I literally called him and was like, hey, I want to do a giveaway. And he was like, what can I do to help? And he was like, do you want a course? And I said, well, I kind of want to. And he said, tell me how many you want and we'll give that many away. I was like, let's just start with two. Uh, So Michael is an amazing, uh, amazing guy and a big advocate for the Python community. Check out his podcast as well. Talk Python to me. He does another podcast that's similar to ours called Python Bytes. Um, If you're following us and you're not following them, uh, that's, that's, that's the pippable news to our non-pippable news. So be sure to go check that out as well uh i've talked a lot but i want to talk a little bit more because the next conference is one of my favorites and i think i overwrote it which is pie cascades pie cascades is coming back folks um this is my this is the second conference i ever went to this year it is going to be in uh vancouver british Columbia in Canada. Uh, and for those that don't know, Pi Cascades is an annual conference that supports the Seattle area, the Portland area, and the Vancouver area, uh, the first two in the U.S. and the third in, in Canada. But uh, this is a great little conference. It's often single track. And this is a, another community that loves uh, first-time uh, presenters. If you've ever wondered you know, what it would like be like to give a talk or you're interested in giving a talk, this is a great place to go. They often will do things like office hours for people who are, you know, who need some help working on their CFP. They also do things around like providing like mentorship at times and, and being able to help. And they have a really good, like, um, I can't think of the word, John, where if you can't afford to go, they will help you to go. Uh, grants program, I think. Yes. They have a good grants program there where you can, uh, you can go in and that's how I actually went to that conference. That was, um, you know, flying up to, to Vancouver was a little pricey and, 
you know, they actually covered my they covered my hotel and they covered my ticket, which meant I only had to care. I only had to worry about my flight, which made it so much easier to attend. Uh, so, yeah, Pi Cascades, I will always be a big advocate for. Um, also had a great online presence. I'm sure that's going to be staying around this time where we'll be both online and in person. But that's coming up uh, later in 2023. It's usually the first. Let me actually, it's probably on here. Uh, so I don't believe they've actually announced specific dates yet. Uh, it's okay. just 2023. So yeah, um, I would expect I'll- within the first couple of months of 2023. That is usually when it happens. Um, but the CFP is now live. You can submit your proposal now and go ahead and start planning that uh, the 2023 conference season. This is Pi Cascades is often the first one of the new year, so this is uh this is the warning sign that 2023, as it says, 2023 is coming. Um, what about uh, PyCon Sweden that's happening in uh, Stockholm this year? Yeah, well, we're not at 2023 yet, so we're just a, a couple of weeks out from PyCon Sweden. Uh, so I think this is November 3rd and 4th, uh, which yep. is uh, two weeks away from now. Um, so uh, yeah, if if you're in if you're in Stockholm or can get to Stockholm, uh, PyCon Sweden is uh, I'm sure a wonderful event to attend. Yeah, and uh, we actually have. It looks like they have some very awesome keynote speakers as well there um and again you know you've got this this nice two-day event that's happening if you want to learn more go to their website it's pycon.se um and we have another one which is pycon bolivia uh i i've had the pleasure of speaking to some of the organizers here and uh the the thing that i i've learned so far is the folks in uh, uh cochamba uh uh Cochabamba, Bolivia, are, you know, eagerly anticipating like just the growth of an of an amazing community there. Uh, and, you know, just talking with them, they are so excited to put on this conference on the 9th and 10th of December. Uh, I don't believe the CFP is still open at this point, but I do know that they are the tickets are now available so you can go ahead and grab a ticket. Um, especially if you're in the, the Bolivia area or you can get to Bolivia. Uh, it is actually, I can tell you now the CFP is in fact still open. Okay, good. So if, if you would like to submit a talk there, you can be sure to go ahead and get that information in. I'm sure they would love that, but I think John, I think that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode I'm I'm excited. Like this is the time of year when I start thinking about all of the different talks that I want to do for next year. Yeah, I think there's on the organization side, right? There's also a bunch of people working to to sure up a lot of details for, you know, we want to make sure our our 2023 event is going to going to take place and how to best serve our communities. So, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to it. We're Still a couple months out, but uh, you know it's it's one of those things where uh, you're you're always in a planning cycle, a little uh, offset from when when events are actually happening. Yeah, and and again, I I want to say that like I love that this is kind of wrapping up 2022 in a really nice way. Uh, if you're a software engineer, you know around like U.S. Thanksgiving, 
things start to slow down a lot and then they start to pick right back up at the beginning of the year. Um, but things aren't going to slow down for us. Like I said, next week we have the Python 311 announcement. We have, and I think that's actually planning on being live streamed as well. So we'll, we'll bring some of the highlights from that. Uh, we're also going to have, uh, again, kind of a post-conference wrap-up with some of the organizers from DjangoCon uh, to also maybe tell us where DjangoCon is heading next year. Uh, I've heard some good things, and I'm, I'm excited to have them share that with uh, the rest of the community. But, uh, John, we got anything else uh, to look forward to? I'm blanking on it. Okay, uh, so I'm, I'm guessing we don't. <laughs> like That's good. We have plenty to look forward to, Jay. Yeah, there's going to be plenty of conferences and events, and you're going to only catch them here. Well, not only catch them here. You'll catch them other places, but you'll primarily catch them here. Um, we, Oh, we do have some other stuff. We are actively creating some projects on the Python Community News GitHub repo and uh, our GitHub organization. And as always, all the projects that we do are licensed MIT license. We hope that other people can adopt them and do their own thing. But we also hope that if you want to contribute to some of the work that we're doing by either submitting a topic or by um, just contributing some code or some issues to you know what we're doing, I will happily say that I filled out my form to get, to get my Hacktoberfest t-shirt this year. Um, and none of it was due to Python community news, but it could have been. Uh, so we're hoping to continue that march forward and and give people an opportunity to contribute and do more things. Uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap it up for this week. If you want to follow more about what's happening in the community, you can, of course, follow us on Twitter at Pi Community News, all one word. And of course, you can catch the newsletter uh, or the podcast. Or don't forget our little less than five minute brief that is just the facts, just the news. Uh, you can find that in a podcast player near you. Just search Python Community News. And we have links to all this and our archive and more at pythoncommunitynews.com. But that's going to wrap it up for this week. I have been your host, Jay. I've been John. And this has been the Python Community News.